Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael. We welcome you all back to Masks of Neomathotep in the China chapter. And so, as we like to do at the top of the show, we'd like to thank our listeners and our Patreon supporters. If you have not had an opportunity to check out what we offer on our Patreon uh, page, you can do so at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast, where uh, some of the people here could use your help. Trust me. Uh, And so, at the top of the show, we're also going to get into introductions, and we'll do that beginning to my right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and we're going to another bar. You are indeed going to yet another bar. This is like old home week for you. Uh, to Maeve's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane. Indeed you do, Miss Lane. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle. And finally, we get to go to the uh, mythological Stumbling Tiger Bar. Yes, the, the, the legendary, legendary. The legendary Stumbling Tiger Bar is within footsteps now. Uh, to Jack's right. Uh, this is Lonnie, and I'm playing Robert Drummond. And uh, these people spend a lot of time in bars. Yeah, you know, it is of era, at least, right? They're, uh, they're at least, you know, pandering to the, the realities of the 1920s, which is... Drink your troubles away. That is correct. <laughs> to Mr. Drummond's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And we may spend a lot of time in bars, but this is the first time we have been in a bar in Shanghai. <laughs> Let's celebrate, yeah? Well, second time, but, you know, who's counting, right? And two, <laughs> last, most certainly not least. This is Alex playing Sambo, and I'm hoping that this guide lasts longer than the last one. <laughs> oh, man. I, I didn't think we were going to get through too many episodes before that reference came up. Um, to point of order, Mr. Drum is not a guide. I'm not a guide. He's something totally different. That said, we raise the curtain tonight in the darkened streets of Shanghai as you are moving northeast of the confluence of the Wangpu and Suchao River, and where there is a district of bars and gambling dens. In perhaps one, two, five flower girl houses, um, <clears throat> for those of you playing at home, uh, flower girl houses are sort of the Shanghai version of brothels. Uh, and so our investigators are also seeing several of those as they go along. Kind of, It reminds you, again, Jack, a little bit of Chicago in the Levy District. This mm-hmm. kind of feels a little bit like a strange home for you. At Ten Lantern Street, just down the street there, not too far within sight, you see an array of painted wood. And that painted wood is black and orange with white stripes. And you see almost a caricature of a tiger that decorates the outside 
of, we'll just say, a, a less than opulent establishment. Now, Drummond, you'd know the Stumbling Tiger as a an affectionate, uh, a one-room neighborhood bar. So this is a place where folks from the Bund and the Dock come in here and they drink sake and whiskey and get blind drunk and then pass out somewhere. This is not the place for a group of foreigners. Um, it's a single room bar plus a separate toilet. That's about it. Yeah. You know, the room you know you're going to enter is large, probably a little dark, and likely a little more dingy than dark, too. But the dark helps with the dinge. <laughs> you all see a, an array of lurid green posters. You see, uh, we'll just say a wide array of what some might consider art. Others might consider pornography. And walking into this club, especially for you, Miss Lane, you feel like maybe, just maybe, you might need a bath after coming out of this place. Yeah, this isn't my usual uh, establishments to to wander in if I'm going to drink. Yeah. yeah. The walls themselves are caked with decades of cigarette smoke in here. Oh, I'm not touching the walls. <laughs> I wouldn't assume so. There are, we'll say, a couple handfuls of men inside. Uh, the women who enter the door here, Miss Lane, Miss O'Shea, are the only women in the bar. And behind the bar, there is a a man polishing a glass, listening to several patrons go on and on about their day of work in the local Cantonese tongue. For those of you who speak Cantonese, uh, you pick out a few specific words. Mostly something about a, a worker strike that is, that is beginning to bubble up. They're talking about people might just say uh, they might give it all up and uh, force the the shipmasters and harbormasters to pay more for what they're doing. A lot of loose talk. When the six of you enter the bar, I suppose, where are you heading first? There's not many places to go other than tables on the outside, you know, rectangular space with chairs, and then the seats around the bar. You want to get a table? All right, I'll get a table. You going to get a table? Yeah. You don't see any wait staff or waitresses yeah, in here? Yeah, I don't think. Sam, you want to go with me to the bar? Sure thing. Uh, Miss Lane, are you going to be sitting in one of these chairs? Are you going to wipe it down for me? I, mean, I will reverse my jacket and lay it on one of the chairs as I head to the bar. I just I kind of snort a little bit as I sit down. I'm going to have to have a, have a talk with Sam later. In fairness to your own attire, sitting on his jacket is cleaner than sitting in that chair. I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> I will follow Jack to the bar. Okay, the two of you walk up to the bar. There's a squat Eurasian man behind the bar. He is feverishly smoking a cigarette while he works very hard with his hands to clean out a glass. Looks like he's maybe working up a bit of a sweat to clean this one out. Excuse me. Huh? He turns around. You speak English? Yeah, I speak English. 
Um, I order a round of drinks for us. Hmm. Okay, okay. How do you make that again? He turns back to the bottles and begins pouring. Um, you're not sure that he's pouring that right, but whatever. So, uh, do you, uh, you get a lot of foreigners in here? He turns around from some of the drinks he's making. He extends his hand towards you and the table. Yeah, we get foreigners in here. I've been looking for a couple of men. Reason to believe they've uh, been in here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, if they owe you money, I'm not interested. No, no, no. They don't owe me money. Families are looking for them. Hey, uh, Keeper. Yeah, go ahead. Just letting you know, uh, while Jack is talking to the bartender, I will have one elbow on the bar kind of... Uh, facing Jack and looking at the rest of the room, watching us, if that makes sense. Yeah, what do you, what do you like, the Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? Well, it's more, yes, kind of. It's more like if anybody is going to be, I'm wondering who's going to be paying attention to us, basically, is, is what I'm Sure, yeah. makes sense. I assume everybody's looking at us. The people left at the back table, um, the, if memory serves correctly, the calculated appearance score probably outranks everybody else in the bar collectively. <laughs> so, yeah, both the bar area where you and Jack are at and then obviously the table where the rest of them are sitting at are people are looking because you're, you're not locals. And it's it's fairly, um, well, it seems to be fairly um, interesting. You said you're looking for families? No, I'm looking for men who uh, their families are looking for. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How many families they got? <laughs> well, two different men, two different families, you know. Is that it? Yeah. It's hardly a story. Well, I've, I have just started. Go on, he puts the first drink up. Both of them are American. They were, they'd been here uh, separately. Hmm. All right. One, uh, one's named Jackson Elias. Looks a bit like my friend here. He looks at Sam. I wink at him. He's dressed like a waiter. Why are you hiring? He's uh, He smiles. He's missing a few teeth, but he seems not actually... So much, not so much the dress. You mean he's dark-skinned? Yes. Why don't you just say that? Oh. He's dark-skinned. He puts the next drink up. Okay. He would have been here a few months ago, coming through. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. That's too bad. What about uh, uh, Jack Brady? Yes. Another American tall and blonde. Hard spot hidden roll, Sam. Okay. That would be four out of 85. That's an extreme success. There is someone across the bar that when Jack says, when the last name Brady comes out of his mouth, someone across the bar, so probably 15, 20 feet away, their head moves to look directly at the bar. I will slide a hand into Jack's view with kind of an open palm hovering above the bar and I'll just like slowly bring it down and I will watch that person out of the corner of my eye. Jack, give me a persuade roll hard difficulty. Oh, yep, that, that won't do it. That's 36 over 33. I'm going to play a hand of fate to upgrade that to a hard success. Somebody out there likes you. <laughs> you see him put the rest of the drinks up and you watch his physical stance change a little bit. 
And he leans in and says, I can't talk about him now. Enjoy drinks. We talk later. Okay. And he steps back from the bar and moves down the way to help somebody else. Those of you watching at the table beyond, watch the end of that exchange get strange. You don't hear what gets said, obviously. And Drummond, you're a little bit better read of a local. Something happened there. You're not sure what it is. Take the drinks back to the table. I'm going to stay at the bar for a moment and continue watching mm-hmm. the fellow. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll keep my drink there at the bar and keep an elbow up and sip on it while I continue to try to get an idea as to who that person is or why they might care. Okay. So if you're going to watch them for a little while, then as you do, I will give you a psychology roll when, when I believe enough time has elapsed for it. Sure. All right. You head back to the table with the drinks. Yes. Dole them out and uh, sit down and then kind of lean in. Well, Jackson Elias didn't ring a bell for him, but uh, he seems to know Jack Brady. So it is a hot lead? Perhaps. What did he say? He said he couldn't talk about him now, Hmm. but later. The bar patrons come and go over the next, say, 10 or 15 minutes. The place doesn't necessarily drop in population. It's more like the fish of the sea sort of move around a little bit. Some men go to work. Other men's uh, other other people arrive because they're off of work. Do you want noise or music to distract so you can do what you need to do? I don't know if we want to draw that kind of attention. I mean, we're already drawing enough. I mean, if you have an Irish woman in a pub singing Irish drinking songs, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many of these men uh, know Irish drinking songs. Well, they probably (laughs) won't, but the tune's always nice. (laughs) Always gets the pubs rowdy. I have a feeling this place doesn't have a problem being rowdy. Yes, but do you want controlled chaos or just chaos? There's a difference. (laughs) Um, When I sing, there is. Oh, I'm not going to tell you no. Sam, go ahead and give me a psychology roll. Five out of ten. Hard success. Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, very good. I'm going to then walk more towards the center of the room and start... Um, and have a drink and in my hand and start singing Irish drinking songs uh, and using uh, Milking the Spirit. Alrighty. I will um, I will deal with Sam momentarily and then you may milk the crowd. So, it isn't this man that is really the issue so much as it is the table of people he is sitting with. So, These other three gentlemen that this man is sitting with are, they seem to be waiting for something. And you're not sure if it's waiting for the crowd to thin out, but all of their physical mannerisms say that they're not simple dock workers. There's something about them that is malevolent. Do I think that they're armed? I I suppose, give me a follow-up spot hidden. A 47 under 85. I will, yeah, 
I think that's enough. Uh, you think it's probably a 67% chance that they're armed. You don't feel like it's firearms, though. No, it's probably something. They might have blades on them. Something more personal, something quieter. Okay. So there, there's one thing I'd like to do while Maeve is moving to the middle of the room. I will down my drink and I will wave the bartender over um, and I'll drop a few, uh, what are they, they're yen, right? Yen? Yeah. I will drop a few yen on the bar along with a, whatever I managed to pick up from the uh, the hotel we were staying at, whether it's a matchbook or something that indicates where we were, or where we were staying. Uh, if not, I'll write something down. I'll scribble something quickly um, to leave it with the money. Another, please. And I will kind of open palms, shove it over to him. He walks back down and pours you another drink. You hear a man at the end of the bar sort of get a little loud and you hear him say, I need another. He seems to sort of get a little incredulous. And then you, the bartender says, I'm coming. Just one moment. He finishes serving your drink and turns. And I will take the drink and head back to our table. Okay. Miss O'Shea, you get to the, I suppose, the most open portion mm-hmm. of the bar floor. You want me to roll perform? I would like to know how you're going to perform. I know that you're going to begin to wind up a, uh, a some Irish drinking songs. So... Like, I'm going to tell everybody get their drinks and, you know, have yeah. a good time. <laughs> yep. That is uh, 28 out of 68. Okay. So, hard success. Uh, so, you begin performing. And I spent my requirement. Okay. So, uh, the effect you're looking for for Milk the Spirit is? I don't... I mean, I only am down one magic point, but I'm more looking for the point where, like, you enthrall them and everybody's focused on you. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely get that. Uh, so, you begin to go into your song and the eyes of most people at the bar turn to you. This is also fascinating to you, uh, Mr. Drummond, as you did not know she was uh, a talented in this way. Uh, and you sort of begin to see all sorts of eyes around the bar, not just look at her, but really pay attention to her. Um, that man down at the end of the bar that asked for a drink, Sam, He's enraptured and he begins sort of dancing in place at the bar, like with almost some, some, some sort of strange mimicry. Like he's having a good time. Even the bartender seems to perk up a little bit. As I head back to the table, I will go behind Lillian's chair and I will kind of, uh, I'll take the, uh, the corners of my jacket and I'll pull them up like over her shoulder and lean in. And I will say... That table of men doesn't mean us well. I'm worried that they're going to follow us out. They're likely armed. Um, I reach down slowly, kind of check to make sure my weapon is still snug in my boot. Seems to be. Well, they'll be surprised to find out that we're armed too. You continue, Miss O'Shea. And as you continue to sing, uh, the... You get the intense feeling that this man at the bar is really into your act. 
He's very much enjoying himself. He is likely very intoxicated. Oh, at the end of the bar? Yeah, he's, well, at the end of the bar for them, but for you, he's a lot closer. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, he's getting other patrons into it. He's he's ordered another drink. Uh, he seems to be drinking whiskey, you think? He's beginning to cause a scene. Yay, more of a distraction. I gave the bartender the name of our hotel. Okay. I don't want to put him in any unnecessary danger. If we're going to lead these fools away, we should do it soon. He's probably already in danger for the moment you talk to him. Yeah, he might be interrogated by those guys, the, the armed gentlemen that you kindly pointed out. And you gave him the name of our hotel. I gave the bartender the name of our hotel. Are we in danger? Probably. That that We're that always depends. What I'm saying is if we lead them away, lead them out, we can figure out what the hell they want. It's clear they're interested in Brady. When your enemy is following you, you know exactly where they are. I don't know about you guys, but uh, if I have the choice between a group of unknown figures who um, I can follow or a guy who I know where he is and he's one person versus six, I know which one I'd rather wait for to find out any information I want. I don't understand what the hell you're saying. What I'm saying is, is they're probably not going to follow you. They're just going to wait for him because there's one of him. And if that's the case, we can deal with them then. But we have to know. It's very likely that they're uh, interested in whoever interested in Jack Brady. They were already here. They were already watching him. They would have already questioned him. Right. This is about us. They may just be regular drinkers at this establishment and not somebody looking for Jack Brady all the time but met him previously. Right, because they didn't just cue in when Jack said it. Look, I'm not being paranoid. No, no, no. I, I, I believe you that they they are definitely interested in, in us now that we mentioned somebody's name that they know. And I, I just don't think they were here waiting for us to show up. I, not waiting for us. Waiting for some, waiting for news. Doctor, would you give me a psychology roll, please? Hard difficulty. Yes, please. Uh, that is a 58 under 86. I'm not 100% certain what the hard difficulty for that would be. 86, 86 so would be 43. Four, yeah, I can't afford to spend a lockdown. Okay, so. because the Hand of Fate's going to upgrade that to a hard success. Oh. Well, thank you, Hand of Fate. You, while all of this is going on, the people at the far end that Sam is pointing out, the bartender, you're also keeping an eye on Miss O'Shea because, she, of course, she's singing. And beyond being just entertaining, um, it's good to keep an eye on what's going on. Um, I always try to keep an extra eye out on Miss O'Shea because, you know, I have to, you know, keep an eye out on for her. Indeed you do. So in doing so, you are also noticing this gentleman that continues to sort of cavort and to drink and to dance at his uh, position while um, while Miss O'Shea is going through her, well, her songs. You come to the realization, just after watching him for a few very close moments, that he's putting on an act, that this is a well-worn 
he's attempting to appear more intoxicated than he actually is. You don't know why, but you can tell just after a few minutes of watching long term that this is a snow job. Well, if if he wants to be drunk, I think it's a good idea that he be drunk. Uh, when the waiter comes back over to drop off the drinks, waiter, wait staff, whoever it is, mm-hmm. um, I order the gentleman at the bar there, the loud one who is enjoying himself so much, I order him a double shot of something real, real heavy duty behind the counter. Like, just kind of eyeball it and go, okay, so that that will take the paint off of a footlocker. So that's what I'm ordering him. <laughs> Okay, so you order him a drink. Uh, do you go up to the bar and order him a drink? Mm-hmm. And um, when you do, he, you know, the bartender goes down, pours it for him. He happily accepts it. And you watch as the seconds tick by as the music and, you know, Miss O'Shea's singing reaches yet another crescendo. You watch how careful he is to uh, take a very slight sip. Or to hmm. place it down on the on the bar with a resounding thud, which helps splash some of it around. Um, he's very good. Well, I've, I, you know what? That with quality of that caliber, he he should be congratulated. I go down while I'm singing because this is probably a tune that Miss O'Shea has sung before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think if I remember right, I taught everybody on the train. Yeah, wonderful. I then I am I join in as if it were an old German beer house drinking song, <laughs> and throw my arm around him. I drink my drink and I slide his drink back over and gesture to the bartender for two more. Big smile on my face. I'm just having a good old time, Doc is. And uh, I, I, if if he looks like he's not going to actually drink it, I with a big grin, uh, I, I'm you know I, I, I peer pressure him literally into drinking the drink. Okay. So, I guess what I would ask you, peer pressure, so you're going to persuade him. Yes. Yeah, we could go so with that. It would be, it would be, it would be fast talk. Yeah. It would be persuade. Let me see here. Uh, I suppose, given your field of study, you could technically. I would allow you to use psychology. Okay. Just because the doctor is very crafty with his words. That is exactly the way he's approaching it. As this gentleman, he's he's plying exactly the things that the guy doesn't want to happen as he reads right. him on his way up. Okay. Up seventy one under eighty six. Ooh, uh, okay. So you have him on the psychology roll. Um, he seems to try to uh, sort of verbally. Oh no, no! I'm. I, I think I've had enough. I think I've had. You know, he he begins to go into this backpedal, verbal backpedal. Well, if th- um, if there's one thing Germans know, it's how to peer pressure people into drinking hard alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you managed to uh, to do so, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he does eventually uh, acquiesce to your uh, mental request, which becomes a verbal request. And uh, after his drink, he uh, waves to the bartender and he says, uh, 
Chum, I'll see you later. And the bartender waves to him and says, uh, I'm sure it won't be too long. And this man works his way out of the bar. Can I catch Jack's eye and head nod towards the guy as he's leaving? Sure. I do so. All right. Slight nod. Funderbar. Three or four more people, patrons, take off. The song winds down a little bit. You recover the MP. Any of you might have been missing. And um, beyond the table that you're already watching, there's maybe three or four people. So three or four besides that table. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to do this in here. And it's about this time that that table gets up. And they head to the bar. I just watch. So remember, the room itself is a rectangle. Right. The bar itself is a rectangle. So there are places to sit on both sides of that bar. These men approach, we'll say from a northeasterly position, and you are all essentially seated in, in a, at a table at the south end of the, the establishment. So you're about middle of the room, but on the south side. The exit is in the southeast. I will uh, take my mostly empty glass and uh, in my left hand and uh, kind of sporting my umbrella in my right will also head to the bar from the other side and I will side eye the our table as I walk that way I'll gather up some of our glasses take up to the bar okay things start moving very fast you hear from one of these gentlemen you hear it because it's in Cantonese of course so those of you who do not speak Cantonese don't understand what he says but you hear the man at the front say it's been too long Mi Chung now you pay with your life and the bartender ducks that's the first action that happens right he ducks and as he ducks all four of these guys sprout knives long hooked blades and so what I would like are some dexterity scores because I have a feeling that some of you might participate in this um, grand experiment we, we would call a melee I would love to oh yes okay so the first person to act would be or has the ability to act would be Miss Lane so Miss Lane it is your action on 90 take it away how many guys are at the bar there are four, uh, I won't call them gentlemen, there are four men at the bar. They are armed with long knives. Uh, so the long knives that they carry are what are in effect a type of sickle weapon. Real quick, are, are they fairly identical, the knives? Uh, yeah. Okay. Just to be sure, none of them have left, right? It's just the same group is still there. and Except for that one guy. No, I mean like none of that group has left. No, none of that group has left. They're all here. And they never will. And their backs are towards me. No. Nope. Their fronts are towards you. I guess I don't know how we're sitting in the bar then. So we're... Okay. No problem. I can explain it. Okay. So the bar itself is rectangular. Mm -hmm. So imagine a rectangle. Inside that rectangle, make a smaller rectangle. And that rectangle, the smaller one, is the bar. Right? So it's it's a... 360 degrees bar in the middle. Right. 
Okay. And then there are outer tables, which is where you were sitting at. You guys were at the south end of the room. Okay. They came from this northeast section of the bar where they were sitting to confront the bartender who's basically in the center of the room. The exit is in the southeast corner, right? That's where you guys would have come in at. And then Miss O'Shea was singing in the western portion of the bar. Now, it's not very big, but it could probably support maybe 60 people total. I'm just trying to give you... Okay, so I can see them as I'm sitting, and I can see them. Okay. You can see them. They can see. They could see you, but they're not paying any direct attention to you because they're trying to menace a bar owner. The bartender had ducked, you said, underneath the bar. Yeah, he hit the deck. I still have the pistol that Jack lent me back in Egypt. I think it was Egypt. Mm-hmm. It's your marital pistol. My marital pistol. It was our, my <laughs> marital gift. I pull that out of my boot and I stand. And how far, wait, how far away are we from them? Yeah, I would say probably about 30 feet, give or take. There are people between you and them. So you could, you can clearly take the weapon out and then make a decision about what you're going to do. Can I step towards them? Yeah, you can move. Suffice it to say, you would be able to, you could technically from your position move to the bar completely with your pistol. If you wanted to, you would not have enough. Yeah, I want to move out of the way of the uh, of any other patrons that are in there. Like, I don't want to be mm-hmm. in the way. And I move up to the to the bar and I point my gun at them and say, gentlemen. Okay. Understood. That's your action. Very good. Mr. Drummond on 80. Uh, I see her blur out with a pistol in her hand. Yep. And she stalks towards the bar. I will also follow and reach for my pistol as well. Okay. So you'll be on the left side because Sam's at the bar already. Yeah. And so it'll be Lillian on the right of Sam and you on the left of him. Both of you armed with pistols. Mm -hmm. Okay. The bartender stands back up. And when he stands back up, he has something medieval in his hand. Uh, And so he has... What looks like the the closest thing you can put it to, Sam, when he stands back up is he has some sort of flail. I love this bartender. And so he he cocks his arm back, and when he does, you hear the ball and chain go over your head as he whips it towards the first man in line. He doesn't say a word. He just starts attacking. They're going to attempt to parry. Uh, that does not work out for them. The first guy, the guy who came up and told him that they were there to kill him, uh, gets a spiked ball to the side of the head. And there is a heavy thump as the impact of this ball and spike hits his head. And then there is an immediate report from the mahogany bar as the other side of his head flattens against it. And so there's like a there's a a sickening crunch and then a bang sound from the table. And that's the bartender's action. Undeterred by this scene in front of them, the rest of the men leap over the bar in succession. And they're going to attack him directly. Before they have the opportunity to do so, 
Sam, you'll have the opportunity to interdict yourself on 75, should you so choose. I will also be vaulting the bar. And the first one, I will, as they are clearing the bar, I would like to intercept their weapon hand with the machete that I produce from inside my umbrella. Okay. So you'll get one. You'll get one. Mm-hmm. There are three of them. Um, so if you want to go ahead and, and make a fighting brawl roll with uh, said weapon, you can. I, I will. That's a 41 under a 78. So this man is going to attempt to, in effect, parry uh, your attempt to job a sand off? It would only be uh, six luck for me to make that a hard success, right? Yep, absolutely. I will spend the six luck. Okay. So he has to make a hard success or beat it. And that is not happening with 75. Okay, so roll damage. Seven with my magic stick. Okay. Uh, You slice into his arm and it takes at the wrist and follows eventually and drags into pieces of his shoulder. Uh, He drops the weapon in sheer pain as blood coats the back of the bar. Am I between the two of them now? Or between the group and the bartender? Yeah, you're between the the bartender and these other two men. Okay. And are thus going to get attacked in kind. Umbrella in left hand, machete in right hand. So if you would like to make a fighting brawl roll. I will parry, yes. On the first one, you may parry it. That is a hard success, 25 under 78. Very good. And then you can do so again if you would like. You are at disadvantage. I'll take the disadvantage. And the additional parry. So 61 under 78 is a success. So he has a hard success on the second attack, which means he's going to get through. Okay. That is six damage you take. Ouch. Uh, so the sickle comes in. You, you parry the... The first one with the machete. That's steel on steel, relatively easy. The hook part of the sickle on the second one gets under the umbrella and it punctures your side. And when it pulls back out, you feel like somebody tried to tickle your ribs with it. I will growl and hiss. But that's Maeve, 65. The two guys behind the bar or three? Because the one got dropped, right? He's not down. He's hurt. Okay. And no more free passes. No more cultists with eight hit points. Well, I meant down like knocked out. Like, didn't the dude get hit in the head? Or um, was that not yeah, that's the, the first guy. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. He he has a he has a totally different problem. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I guess the one that just stabbed Sam, I mm-hmm. will shout for him to freeze. Already spend your um, as, uh, appropriate twenty-eight out of eighty-three. All right, you shout. What are you? What are you shouting? Freeze, Sam. You're locked in the graceful art of pugilism and and fine art of uh, knife fighting. When the person to your right comes to a screeching halt, he freezes, and you can see like the etching of terror on the backs of his eyeballs. Maybe I'll add him to the Oh yeah. Okay. So he'll be frozen for his next action. Remember that that sort of dominate 
only lasts, it's instantaneous, but it only lasts so long. And yes, you can keep dominating people, but it gets expensive after a while. Right. But fairly played. Uh, Jack on 60. Okay, so both of my hands are full of glasses. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to drop them and then pull out my gun. Okay, you pull out your gun. That's it. Well, can I get a shot off? I think you, I'll, I'll one, give you one, one if you're not moving. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not moving. So so free action to drop the glasses, one to pull the pistol, and you'll, you'll get one shot because you're not trying to move right. anymore. Yeah. Uh, I will shoot the uh, guy that Sam already stabbed. Okay. Oh, no. 7,684. Okay. Roll damage. D10. Eight. That man. Plus two. So 10. So 10. Okay. So he drops. Sam. Um, the Good face full of brain. Yeah. You get. <laughs> boy, those, those clothes last. Those nice clothes lasted just a few days, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hopefully there's a real nice, quick laundromat around here or some sort of, uh, you know, clothing care services because you are going to need it. Um, the You feel the speckles on your skin and you work very hard not to re-engineer the feeling that your brain at one point would connect between that sort of sensation and pleasure. We're here to protect this man. Right. Uh, and speaking of protecting him, Sigmund? Is the bartender down closer to me or is he down, he's down towards the melee? Yeah. He's about middle of the bar. You know what? I'm going to hold my action, actually. Sure. Very well. Top of the round. That is you, Miss Lane, on 90. Actually, apologies on 140. As you have your pistol out and gives you plus 50 to your initiative. So how many, any guys down in the bar? Yeah, there's... The one guy whose face is now seemingly broke, he does not appear to be moving very well. Uh, Jack shot a guy, and uh, there are two more people who are engaged in melee combat, essentially, with Sam. Is there anybody, like, in my... that I, that I can get a shot off on that it, that's not going to harm somebody else there? Hmm. I mean, you could easily, with your movement rate, simply step to the side... And get a, an easier bead on the guy who doesn't seem to be moving right now. You mean the guy that's face down in the bar? No, there's a guy who's facing off with Sam who suddenly is not moving. He he seems to be, maybe he's gauging his opponent. Maybe he's been trying to figure out when the where the opening is. But there's something about him that's a little not right. So <laughs> what I'm going to do is I... Is there an opening to the bar where I can get to behind that guy? Yeah, you could you could move through one of the um, spaces, empty the, the the open spaces below the bar where people enter to work. Okay, I want to do that and then go up behind the guy and I want to smack him with the butt of the pistol on the back of the head. Okay, sounds good. Go ahead and give me a fighting brawl roll. Okay. Um, so Sam, uh, for your vantage point, out of the corner of your eye. You see Miss Lane move into position, and then she raises her pistol as if to strike this person. I'm helping. I'm a helper. <laughs> no, but I'm going to spend luck on that. I'm going to spend the luck. Eight luck. Eight luck. You spend the eight luck. Very good. Uh, so we'll say that that does a... 
you're specifically trying to do a knockout blow. Is that what you're trying to Either do? Either that or well, I'm, I don't think I'm strong enough to do that, but am I? Yes, you are. She's, she's going to pistol whip. <laughs> Everybody is strong enough to do enough. Sure. So there is a specific action in combat mm-hmm. that are called knockouts. When an attack inflicts an amount of damage equal to or greater than half the target's hit points, you can force them to make a con roll to remain conscious. Right? So, if the maneuver is successful, the opponent is rendered unconscious and only suffers one hit point worth of damage. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to roll pistol whip. Um, I'm going to say that that's D4. It's heavy metal object. So roll a d4. You got a two. All right. So you've done at least a point of damage. Um, I'm going to make a con roll for him. Well, this will be funny too because he he will be stuck and then unstuck. Okay. You you give him a good wallop backside of the head, <clears throat> and you feel a rather um, a rather strange sensation vibrate through your your elbow. Um, so that is Miss Lane. And then the bartender go. Actually, sorry, Mr. Drummond, if you would. So there's only the one guy up. Yeah, yes, technically. So so one of the men behind the bar who was engaged with Sam is now has now been hit in the back of the head. He has not moved yet, but he's been hit soundly by Miss Lane and the backside of her pistol. There is another man engaged in melee with Sam who is still very much spry and trying to land that sort of hook sickle weapon Um, and this is a weapon you'd be familiar with because many of the gangs around here carry similar weapons and the the entire purpose is for cutting limbs off I can't uh, shoot shoot into a crowd like that not responsibly and you can't I'm going to approach from the. I'm going to run up the bar, basically. Mm-hmm. And the guy has just vaulted over the bar, right? Yeah. So he's within arm's reach. Fairly easily, yeah. I'm going to try and grab him to restrain him. Okay. That's a fighting brawl roll. 22 under 25. All right. Yeah, you grab hold of him. Mm-hmm. And so now he's going to be, he's in a grapple. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to have a, a lot hard time moving around and uh, doing anything like um, attacking Sam, that's for sure. You get him slowed down and you begin hearing a sound whip through the air. And McChung hasn't stopped with his with his movements he hit the first person people froze people attacked he continues pulling this chain this spiked chain around and he's going to attempt very viciously to land this in the face of the guy that you're holding back essentially giving him advantage that's fine (laughs) Ooh, that's a one Uh, so that's impale 
you impale with a flail? I can impale with a melee weapon, sure. Mm. It's a spiked flail. I just don't like it. It was his grandma's. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's, 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 it's me fighting me, which is even better. Right. So that man takes 15 points of damage. You're holding on to him when suddenly there isn't much of a head left. You are doused in brains and fluid and matter. Of course, this isn't necessarily the worst thing you've ever seen. I suppose for clarity's sake, have you ever seen a dead body? I might have. Yeah, just maybe. So we'll forego that sort of sanity roll. With that being the third of four parties, because one is yet still frozen, the initiative will fall to you, Sam. Well, having probably had to duck a bit again after that last swing, I will use my lower position to... I'm going to divide this man from where his legs meet up. Already? So he's frozen, right? He is frozen, yes. And so you get advantage on the roll. I put my back into it. I mean, I'll, I guess I'll just take the 18. That's fine. You take the 18. Okay. Well, roll damage. It requires an extreme to impale, right? It does require an extreme to impale. I don't need to impale, do I? That's not really for me to decide. How many points would it be for me to impale him from an 18? So three points. Let, let's do it. So we'll go ahead and uh, what's what's the damage to the machete? Yeah. Okay, so it's eight plus rolled damage plus any damage bonus you have. Uh, so five, so 13. Okay, yeah, you um, make him a lot shorter in effect. The machete is an effective weapon for a lot of things and it becomes super effective here. And... Lillian, you are given a front row seat to uh, some of Sam's handiwork. The bar empties out and you hear the rattle and clatter of a chain settle. And you can tell the bartender's breathing heavy. I look for a bar towel. Yeah, there's one over there. I I grab it. And wipe my face off. Slip my gun back away. So about Jack Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Brady, I'm going to need a drink. Who are you? That's a long story. But we've been following uh, Mr. Brady and some of his companions across three continents now. Mm. He steps outside the bar and walks towards a table with a uh, a bottle he pilfers before leaving. Thank you for helping. Um, do these men seem to be wearing any kind of symbol or sigil or I mean, it depends on what to what lengths are you going to inspect them. They're not wearing any sort of headdresses or clothing that is Well, I was thinking like a necklace, a bracelet. Tattoo, maybe. Yeah, or a tattoo. That depends. Are you going to inspect the bodies? Yeah, I'll, I'll lean down while he's getting his um, alcohol and take a look at the bodies because I have a feeling these guys might be cultists. They have uh, yeah, like I'll look ass, on uh, their like wrists, knives. You can't just go around stereotyping people just because they got weird ass knives. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Well, no, you can. 
You just shouldn't. <laughs> you don't find any markings on them. Hmm. I mean, I'll assume they're just random gang people that like. I'm. I'm going to assume they're cultists. I'm always going to assume they're cultists now. <laughs> Everyone who's not us is a yeah. cultist. So what do you want to know about Jack Brady? Well, we have a feeling he's in Shanghai. Nope. The information that we had placed him here. He's not here now. He went on a trip. He'd probably be back. Well, his life's in danger. Oh, he knows. Seems your life's in danger. Who are these people? Tried to kill you. Well, you piss a lot of people off in the business I'm in. That's not an answer. Are you here demanding answers? No. I'm asking you who these people were. These are... He looks over. These are green gangers. They want the bar. They want the property. I won't sell. What's her interest in Jack Brady? What's their interest in Brady? Hmm. Brady's been doing what he can to build up some of the, uh, well, some of the workers' unions here. He's been working on um, munitions. He went to go do a deal with a man named Charlie Gray. He's hoping to uh, lift their spirits and their magazines, if you take my meaning. Brady's an arms dealer? No. Brady's a man running from one life to the next. But he's a helper. He can't help it. People come to him. They say, I have a problem. Jack Brady helps. No, kind of like a fixer. Sort of. When will Jack Brady be back? Now I say this as I grab one of the sickles. Knives. That the man's wrapped in, you know. Mm-hmm. Sit down at the table, not to not to be threatening. I'm I'm taking it with me because. Okay, so you might not believe you appear threatening, but um, perception is a little different on the other end of the sickle. I'll put it down on on the ground. <laughs> he says, "You're pretty, but I'm not his secretary." Okay, when did he leave? A little while ago. Oh. A week. Well, when he gets back, if you could get us in touch with him. I think we can help each other. Why you want to know where he is? Because part of the life he's trying to leave behind is something we have to deal with. You seem like pretty good people and pretty effective. He eyes you, Drummond. <laughs> I've seen you in here before. I'm busy wiping myself off with a bar towel. Well, what I can tell you is when he comes back to Shanghai, I'll let him know you're staying at this hotel. You can get in touch with you. That's all we ask. What about retribution from this? I don't keep a flail under the table for no reason. Escalation, though. Won't they be back? Oh, yeah. And in greater numbers. Do you want to help removing the bodies? Oh, uh, yeah. You help make them. <laughs> I like this man. You're a very good singer. Thank you. I used to sing back home, too. Where's home? Chicago. Oh. You're far away. Yeah. You've been in Shanghai long? Oh, yeah, all my life. I was born here. I'll probably die here. So what can you tell me about, uh, or what would you be willing to tell us about a potential local uh, 
trader, shipping magnate, Hofang. He takes a big breath in. Hofang? He sort of looks around the group. Hofang's pretty dangerous. He puts on a good face, though. But if you're here in Shanghai long enough, you eventually learn what Hofang does. And what does he do? Anything he wants. He has many fingers in many different shipping and receiving ammunitions, prostitution, drugs. But his main goal is the acquisition of precious material, religious artifacts. Antiquities. Yeah, what he said. Do I know this man? Ho Feng? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know of him for sure. Mm-hmm. It would be impossible to be in Shanghai and do what you do without knowing who he is. You may not know deep particulars about him, but you'd uh, you'd know of his contacts that run around the international district or the international settlement. If if one were so inclined, and I'll say stupid enough, <laughs> where would they find him? French settlement, but I would be aware. There is not a Chinese official who can touch him. He is deeply politically powerful. He leads an order. Order of the bloated woman. I look at everybody else. I kind of sneer and grab my wound and limp over to the doctor. <laughs> Sit down, sad. I agree. <laughs> now that sounds like a cult to me. I don't know much about it. Yeah, that sounds like what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Do they all wear like a special symbol? Do they all wear same colors? Do they carry special swords? And they're partial to the sickle there that the pretty girl has. But it's a pretty common weapon among the Chinese gangs here. Right. Well, I'm going to drag bodies. I'm also going to um, pat them down, basically. I'm going to remove everything <laughs> from pockets. Sure. Well, yeah, you got to loot the bodies. Yep, exactly. Am I going to die, Doctor? Someday, probably. But right now, it doesn't look like it, no. But I wouldn't suggest any more overzealous activity, you know. This is going to take a while to heal. I'll try not to get stabbed again, I promise. I would suggest you do. If uh, you do get stabbed, try to keep it to a minimum. Somewhere (sighs) non-vital. Once a month. (laughs) Tops. So uh, they do have uh, very similar sickles, all of them. Right? Yep. Uh, These sickles are razor sharp. Uh, Would be good for cutting flesh or fish. Uh, It is also likely that some of them have been used to do both. Yep. Because of their effectiveness. Mm -hmm. That's not sanitary. And why don't you give me a hard spot hidden roll, Mr. Drummond? I will attempt to. So you are doing some detailed work with the bodies here. I will spend three luck to make that a hard success. 22. Very good. You find a small tattoo in the left armpit of one of these men. Well, that is a detail, though. <laughs> and the, it is kanji. Mm-hmm. 
but you find it and that gives you pause. And then you check the next one and you find another one. Now, you're fairly aware of the Green Gang, but mm-hmm. you're not aware of them running with armpit tattoos. No, no. What's the kanji? I'll send you a picture of it. By the way, I'll help uh, drag bodies out. While the doctor's working on me, I'd like to talk. I'd like to continue talking to the bartender. Okay. Is there anything you can tell us about? Um, we caught on to Ho Fang based on a shipment that we saw coming out of London. The Ivory Wind. You familiar with the vessel? I've never heard of it. There are thousands of ships in these ports. What's the meaning of it? Ivory Wind. I don't know. That's just the name of the ship. Hmm. If it comes up, I can give you a message. I, I was actually kind of curious. Are you, what happens to you now? Do you just clean up your bar and get back to work and wait for these guys to come back again? Yeah. Where else would I go? I don't know. I imagine, uh, is this is this the first time this has happened? <laughs> no. Sadly. Which is why I want to see Jack Brady, too. I'm tired of these people showing up. I guess I, I'd hate to, uh, I'd, I'd hate to, I don't know, leave you vulnerable. Vulnerable. He shakes his head. I'm not defenseless. Clearly. But enough of them... Flail or not. You want a drink? Yeah, I can use a drink. Okay. Because uh, this still bought. And I'm still bought. I'm not changing my life. He pours you a drink. Well, I'm not paying you again. Tonight. No, you drink for free for the rest of the night. <laughs> Tomorrow, he shakes his finger at you. Tomorrow, I'll pay you. <laughs> Good. All I can tell you is... Jack Brady should be back soon. But you're not the only person looking for him. Obviously. Obviously. I um think that this bar will be Jack's regular stop. Yeah. I'll make a regular stop here. Hmm. Not too regular. No. He shakes his head. I wouldn't want to get to bring any trouble to you. You seem like stretch his arm out. Hey, those guys were already here when we showed up. Hey, it wasn't our fault. <laughs> Holy shit. I take a big old drink. I think that's as good enough of an ending for me as it needs to be. So thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Masks from Rafatep. We greatly appreciate your listening ears. In the next episode, we'll see what else our investigators can uncover. Thank you, and good night.